This is Redefining the Counterculture on Witten Radio. Make sure to check out our website at wittenradio.com. The Punisher, a firearm-wielding vigilante, was pulled from New York Comic Con by Marvel and Netflix, something Steve Harsh, who's been attending for years, understands. I do kind of agree with that out of respect for the victims and for the situation. But another attendee, Leo Lawrence, says the Punisher didn't cause the Vegas shooting. That's only punishing the the fans, and it's only letting the idiot that did it win. Punisher or not, security here is tight with the NYPD's heavily armed anti-terrorism unit standing guard. At the Jacob Javits Convention Center in Manhattan, I'm Julie Walker. Hey guys, you're listening to another episode of Redefining the Counterculture right here on Witten Radio. Today we've got a special music guest for you. We're joined by Phil Madeer. Phil, how's it going? It's going great. Thank you. How are you? Hey, going well, going well. We're super excited to have you on today's show. Well, yeah, me too, man. Thanks. <laughs> you're welcome. You're welcome. Um, so, Phil, for our listening audience, um, the, the ones that are new to your music or um, the ones that just aren't as initiated, I was wondering if you could tell us just how did your start in music begin? Um, when did you start playing? What kind of fostered your love of it? Gosh, you know, I started playing, uh, I mean, my real love was drums, and started playing drums when I was a kid, uh, as well as some piano, but drumming is what I thrived on, and um, so I was in all kinds of bands, and in the high school band, and all that stuff, and then, you know, I did what a lot of kids do, I played in college, you know, I was an art major, but I played with some guys. And by that time, I was playing guitar and piano. And then I, I met a guy in college named Phil Kagey, K-E-A-G-G-Y, uh, who was then and remains a fairly um, fairly well-known guitar player, pretty amazing guitar player. And uh, we just kind of clicked. And... I was just a college student. Of course, he was a year older than me, but he skipped college and just, you know, just dove right into music. Anyway, that the night I met Phil, he said, hey, I think we're going to be in a band together someday. And I was like, well, all right. And, you know, three years later, there I was in upstate New York in this guy's band. <laughs> and uh, that was 1976, and we remained very good friends all these years later. Uh, but So he gave me his start. And it was it was interesting because uh you know, he was in Christian music and remains in Christian music and uh being a person of faith, that seemed like a great idea to me. Um and so when I moved to Nashville, that was the first door that really opened. But it just was not a good fit, honestly, Walter. It just it just was not a great fit for me, and I was the I was the last one to really figure that out. It was kind of like everybody else in that world knew that um, that I that I really didn't fit into it, and uh, and and a few of them actually were kind enough to tell me. <laughs> wow! And then one night I was at the Bluebird Cafe, which of course has been made famous by the show Nashville, and I was listening to some blues. Uh, a couple of guys who are really great blues players, uh, Kenny Greenberg and Mike Henderson, and and um, and all of a sudden I remembered who I was, you know, before I 
was thinking about genre and before I was uh, trying to, you know, get people to cut my songs and any, all this stuff. And I went home and I just picked up a guitar. At that point, I was primarily a keyboard player. I picked up a guitar and just started playing, uh, playing some blues. And um, funny enough, the two I wrote two songs that night, and <laughs> it took me a long time to actually record them. And they're on a record I did in 2015 called Original Sinner, which is a, pretty much of a blues record. But anyway, I know I'm talking too much, but eventually that led to um, my meeting another guy who had also been interested in music, but really probably didn't fit in. And that's Buddy Miller and uh, Buddy and Julie. Um, you know, to me, if, if Christian music were to be the thing that might have been really great, not nothing against it, but it would be like Buddy Miller type music and Julie Miller type music. But uh, but anyway, so I uh, so I wound up working a lot with Buddy, and that eventually landed me with the person who I'm actually going to the UK with tomorrow, and that's Andy Lou Harris. Wow. It's crazy how something like that we may perceive as a setback oftentimes is like a setup to something, you know, something greater or something, you know, our, our purpose may actually be somewhere else or with someone else. Yeah, I mean, I think we can say that, um, um, we can say that about much of life, if not gosh, uh, you know, uh, you know, geez, man, my life, gosh, you know, I, I, uh, I grew up a preacher's kid and, you know, just kind of lived an idyllic life and never imagined calamity happening in my life. Never imagined like divorce or all these things that you, you know, when you're part of church and stuff, you just, none of that stuff's going to happen to you, you know? And, uh, but I'll tell you what, every bad thing that's ever happened to me has turned into a great song. And, um, uh, you know, every every death I've experienced has resulted in some kind of resurrection. And uh, and that's pretty much how I think in life. You know, I, I'm a grateful person and uh, I'm delighted that I make music. You know, I can't believe that I, I get to do what I do, you know. Um, I don't want to put you on the spot or anything. And, you know, oh, put me on the spot, man. I'll put you on the spot, too. You're put but, uh, on the spot. So if, if I may ask, like, where are you now, like, with your faith? Have you, like, um, would you say that you're still a Christian, or would you say that you've kind of, like, moved past that? <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, you know, I really don't like saying I'm a Christian because I think so many Christians are just terrible people, you know. And um, I think uh, I think watching the way Christians behave, uh, especially in America, watching watching how Christians, by and large, respond to political events and stuff, really disturbs me. Which is why I don't know if you ever heard of my Mercyland project, but I I pretty much. You know, I've done two records called Mercyland, Hymns for the Rest of Us, 
which were really a reaction to what I feel like is hate-mongering from a lot of people of faith. And uh, I thought when I was with Emmy Lou in 2009 or 2008 when Barack Obama was going for election, I was just so distraught with how many Christians just wanted to bury this guy. And, you know, I was constantly finding myself having to explain that I'm not that kind of a Christian, you know, that I'm actually someone who believes in Jesus, and I'm actually someone who believes that that the main tenet of of Christianity is love and is actually, uh, you know, probably tolerance more than intolerance. And so Amy Lou said, yeah, I'll be, I, I, I love this idea. So I made, I've made two of them, and I may, I may do another one. Records that are not, I think, you know, I guess they, they, they may be perceived as leaning a little to the left, but I think that's just because they're open-minded and accepting. But am I a Christian? Yeah, unfortunately, I, I, I am. Um, uh, I'm an Episcopalian. I go, you know, I feel like the Episcopal Church is sort of the last stop for me if I'm going to continue with organized religion, because I want to go to a church where gay people are welcome. I don't want to figure out. I don't want to figure out someone else's problem for them if it's a problem, you know. And the the church to me is so presumptuous. The church, at least as as represented by what what are called evangelicals, which used to you know that used to be my tribe until it became fundamentalism. So you've actually pushed a huge button here for me because I I. Uh, you know, yeah, I'm a person who believes in Jesus, but I'm also um, a person who is extremely, I'm kind of a real bird. I'm, I'm, I'm really liberal uh, politically and probably socially as well. I just sort of feel like, uh, I don't know. But I can't shake Jesus. I mean, I did write a song called that uh, with Jordan Kennedy that uh, Ricky Skaggs has recorded, uh, you know, uh, and there are times where I wish I could. There are times where I wish I didn't didn't have this, you know, what Flannery O'Connor calls uh, Christ hauntedness. You know, I mean, I just can't shake that stuff, so I don't, you know. But um, yeah, so I don't know if that makes sense to you, but um, <laughs> I mean, I, I think um... I just I sorry, I probably just lost you half your audience. Sorry. For those who stuck around, God bless you. <laughs> no, it's going all right. I, I I feel the same way. You know, um, I, you know, I think people try to put Jesus in this box, and if you really look at the life of Jesus and how he was when he walked the earth, um, he was, you know, like a a liberal carpenter. You know, I mean, he he didn't really. I mean. I think the the um, examples of his interactions with like the Pharisees and you know the the people of religious order shows that you know he wasn't this like cookie cutter you know let's do churches normal type of guy like he was definitely out of the box and he was an in your face people person and um, I think I, I you know the biggest thing with with Jesus is. Is showing his love to other people, you know, not judging people or 
putting them down. And you're right. I mean, for a large part, you know, the church has really failed in that area because they they're presumptuous. They push people away. They condemn. And um, you know, we're just not in that position to condemn anybody. I mean, we all right. sin. We just sin differently. You know. And so um, that's just what it is. Yeah. Well, groovy. Yeah. <laughs> well, now we got got that all out. Um. Yeah, that's pretty funny. Yeah, I just, you know, the gal who helped me, you know, my PR person, Maria Ivy from Press House. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, a lot of times, like when I talked to Rolling Stone the other day, she, you know, she said, "Hey, you'll be talking to Rolling Stone." This interview, she just said, you know, she just, I, I didn't see a, I didn't see anything except your name, you know, and I, I, man, I'm going to call anyone, so I'm even calling you, but this is kind of funny to me, because like my new record, Providence, it's, you know, even though it has a very loaded word for the title, I mean, it's really just the title of the city that I've uh, just made a record about, you know, and so this is really funny to me that we're talking about this, but I, I don't mind talking about it, it's like, um, I think it wears some people out. Uh, you know, I've been dating just a lovely woman lately, and she's, you know, she's really super tolerant of the fact that I believe something that that um, doesn't entirely resonate with her. But um, um, I'll tell you what, man, it's so refreshing to actually uh not be with a religious person, I gotta say. I mean, I don't know if that even makes sense, but um, cool. yeah. Well, here we are, James. Yeah, I mean, Walter. Uh, yeah. So I actually just googled you while we were talking to see. Okay, who am I talking with here? <laughs> yeah. Uh, crazy. Yeah. But um, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. I, I mean, it's. Uh, People, like religious people, they can suck the fun out of life because they don't realize that when Jesus said, you know, I've come to give you life more abundantly, you know, he wasn't saying just in terms of eternal life. He was talking about, like, your life here, like, you watch it have fun and, you know, like, love on people and interact with people of all, you know, walks and faiths and everything. Yeah, um, I, just, I, I think, you know, if... if if a person real is you know if if Jesus is as loving as you would actually have to be if you were going to do the thing that Christ did when he was here, if he's really that loving, you know it's like well, why do you talk about hell so much why why do you think this this God who's so unbelievably loving is going to burn somebody? You know, and so my, you know, so that pressure for me is off. The pressure to convert someone, the pressure to to make sure somebody doesn't get crushed by this all-loving God. I just don't think that way. You know, I I, I think about making music, and and um, and cer- certainly trying to live out a, a life that you know can somehow look like the faith that I believe in. But it's like everybody preaching that message of God is going to 
earn you unless you say uncle or, or, or to be more specific, uncle Jesus, you know, unless you do that, unless you say Jesus, God's going to burn you. Um, uh, you know, I've, I've, I've been a person, I've been looking at Jesus for a long time and I finally kind of came to a place of just saying, you know what, would I burn my kids if they didn't, you know, call me daddy? <laughs> so I know, you know, anyway. But geez, man. So, uh, did you want to keep talking about this or music? Oh, oh, yeah. Um, I, I kind of want to transition to music, especially your new album, because I, I caught the double meaning on the title, and I wanted to talk to you about it. Sure. <laughs> yeah. So, so, with your new album, um, I take it you know Providence is where you grew up, but it's also where you also re- referencing divine providence, like you know weird things that happen. That could only be a no, you know. I mean, I love that Providence was named Providence, and I'm sorry, I just rolled right over you, Walter. Oh. But you know, the thing is, is that I mean, basically, um, I I was at the I was on my way to the Newport Jazz Festival in 2016. Well, specifically, I was going to have breakfast with John Schofield, who's a really tremendous uh, jazz guitar player who was playing at Newport. And so I had breakfast with him, he planned, and I was driving across this bridge uh, that actually spans Narragansett Bay, which divides the state. And I I looked north and just saw this fantastic, you know, July sight, all blue and green. And I just thought, wow, you came from here. And I just started, from that point, I just started pondering, writing a record about growing up in Rhode Island. You know, I've lived in the South for 35 years, but I realized, man, you grew up in this place. For some reason, I just felt like I needed to write an, uh, write a uh, a song cycle about growing up there. And so Providence... Um, you know, I think I probably did use that as the title of the record. It's not, there's no song on the record called Providence, but there is a line in one of the, you know, the, the, the word Providence appears in a few of the tunes uh, as a city. You know, now there's, uh, there is a line that says, when I find myself in Providence, I know I'm your native son. And then there's another line in the song Gothenburg, uh, which is the video that Rolling Stone featured last week. Uh, and that was uh, uh, my grandfather, dot, 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 you know, sailed into the arms of Providence, and that's where your grandma was born. So in Providence, I'm being quite literal about a place, but I do love the name Providence. I think it's a beautiful and poetic name, and um, if you know the history of Rhode Island, you know that it was founded by Roger Williams, who... Um, you know, who basically got kicked out of um, Massachusetts back in, I don't know, 16-something, 17-something. He got kicked out of Massachusetts uh, because he was a tolerant person. He was really, you know, he he had a different take on his faith than the parish would be in, in uh, Massachusetts. And he wound up starting, you know, the first Baptist church in America, and uh, 
uh, in Providence. And so he named, you know, he named uh, the city, and of course he named it uh, with something very spiritual in mind. But, um, you know, I mean, we basically we hear a song, we we, we can make a, we, a song can mean whatever to whatever it needs to mean to whoever is listening to it. And, um, and I'm ha- you know, you know, so people can take out of that title, whatever they want, but I will be very clear and just say, I just love the title. I just think it's a beautiful word, you know? And, uh, yeah. I love it. I love it. So, um, Bill, what was the writing process like for you on this album? I know that you said, you know, it's prompted, um, after that visit, um, what was it, the writing process like for you? Was it particularly cathartic, or was it arduous? Like, what was it like for you, writing and putting it together? Man, it was really interesting. You know, I started writing pretty much as soon as I got home from that trip. So in, you know, in uh, late July, early August 2016, I started writing, and I pulled in two songs uh, that I'd written, gosh, years before, and uh but eight of the songs are new songs and um and honestly it was really just uh i don't even know how things came to me except um uh yeah i mean i writing is really easy for me in fact it's so easy that at times i feel like man you know you should slow down here and you should uh, you know, I'll get into the moment, and I'll uh, and I'll be, I'll treat the moment sacred. But a lot of times, I find it wise to actually sit with a song and even be willing to rewrite stuff, cut and paste, throw stuff out. This stuff came all on piano very quickly. Uh, Wicked job, the first song on the record, actually, that was written back in '95, and. Um, and that was written on guitar, but everything else was written on piano, uh, which is not, you know, most of my stuff in the last two decades has been written on guitar. So it was really kind of uplifting to go back to piano and to know, okay, I'm not writing for Christian music. I'm not writing for country music. I can actually just do whatever I want to do, which is kind of what I do anyway. But um, uh, but it was really great to just... Uh, just kind of like let uh, a lot of my influences, like New Orleans type music and Randy Newman, do, uh, do, you know, people have referenced Randy Newman as they're responding, so I, I, I'll say sure, you know, um, and just bluesy stuff. Uh, uh, so it's just been, it's just fun to write the thing on my own terms and. Um, uh, and it didn't take long, you know, and, and uh, yeah, and here, and here it is, you know. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And so, Phil, um, you know, you're you're gearing up for, you know, yet yet another tour. Um, you're leaving, I think, tomorrow, you said? Yeah, we're going, uh, anyway, we're just, we're going over to the U.K. Um, we're playing a festival called Country to Country, which is a three-day festival that happens in London, Dublin, and Scotland. So three countries. And, um, you know, 
know, England, Scotland, and Ireland. So we'll, we'll, uh, yeah, so, I mean, Friday night we play Glasgow, Saturday night we play Dublin, Sunday night we play London, Monday we fly home, you know. So it's a short hop. Yeah. That's awesome. What do you enjoy most about touring? Because I know that it, it kind of, touring can be a real pain in the butt in terms of just, you know, like if you're a person that, you know, misses home and misses like your bed and everything, touring can be kind of hard on you, kind of hard on the body. What keeps you going after all these years? Well, um, you know, I love touring. Uh I, I, I've got to be, it's got to be with great people. Like I've got to be, um, and Emmy's situation is certainly that. They're my closest. I'm, I'm on the, hang on a second. Hey, I'm, I'm doing a phone or an interview. All right. Great. Anyways, um, the, um, okay. What'd you ask me? Oh, uh, just in terms of uh, touring, um, what keeps you, I guess, charged and going? Because I know it takes up a lot out of you um, to to get up and to to travel and to go from city to city, country to country. Oh yeah. Um, and a lot of people get burnt out. Um, I guess. Well, do I mean, I don't do it. I don't do it that much. I'm not like I don't. I'm not doing a few hundred gigs a year like a lot of people. I'm probably doing like with Emmy Lou last year. Maybe we did forty shows. I don't. You know, I am not a road dog like some people are. Some people have to do this. And so, I mean, I do a lot of session work, a lot of recording. And um, so the road is not wearing me out, per se. Um, uh, you know, I've got a diverse enough career that... Uh, you know that I just, but but I, you know, I don't work with anyone I don't want to work with. I don't I don't say yes to something I don't want to say yes to. And the Emmy Lee thing is perfect because she's a fantastic person and a great boss. And then um, our band, which is called Red Dirt Boys, which actually we've just done a record, but it's it's not out yet. But that band, Will Kimbrough, Brian Owings, Chris Donahue, and myself. You know, there's there's really no one I'd rather be playing with than those guys. We just are a great unit. We know how to work together, and we love sitting in the back of the bus together, drinking and watching whatever we're gonna watch on TV. You know, and and uh, not like we're not like we're a bunch of lushes or something like that. But I mean, <laughs> you know, we enjoy each other, so it's great. You know, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I want to kind of go back to the album. So, you know, um, a lot of the album deals with um, kind of you're coming to terms with, um, I'm hoping not being too presumptuous, but coming to terms with, you know, being a New, New Englander by birth, but but also having that love and the deep roots for the, the South and the Southern culture. Um, if I may ask, what um, draws you or drew you to the Southern culture, specifically the music of the South. Was it something that always appealed to you, even growing up? Well, you know, my mother, uh, uh, from before I was even born, was playing um, playing Mahalia Jackson records. Um, my father was a Baptist minister. My mom was 
church organist, and she actually grew up Lutheran. It's almost a miracle that she knew who Mahalia Jackson was. But um, but hearing that soulful, you know, hearing that soulful music, um, you know, like I said, I was a drummer when I was really, you know, from the time I can remember, and um, and I really found that most of the, you know, mo- the roots of everything that I liked and the roots of stuff that I would come to like. Like, I didn't like selling hillbilly music when I was a kid. Um, uh, I didn't, you know, I didn't, I, I thought I thought bluegrass and stuff like that was lame when I was a kid. But as I grew up, I realized, ooh, there's some funk in that stuff too. It all originated here in the South. And... um so, and, and and I will be careful about Southern culture because I, I mean, I love living here. I love the politeness here. I love certain aspects of the South. I think there, there you know, there were a lot of things about the South too that that um, uh, you know that that uh, that I that that didn't set well with me. And um, uh, but I, I don't need to get into that, I guess, except to say I just I just don't want to blanketly uh, talk about my love of Southern culture uh, because it's, because the history of the South is is you know is pretty remarkable in terms of you know uh, gosh man I'm like digging a hole for myself I don't know. <laughs> feel free to edit some of this stuff around, out. <laughs> but um, the uh, yeah, all this to say, yes, I love the music of the South. I love barbecue. I love a lot of that stuff. Do I like seeing a Confederate flag flying when I'm driving in uh, Alabama? You know, in the countryside of Alabama, do I like seeing that? Nope, I don't like seeing that at all. And, uh, <laughs> um, 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 so. Uh, but musically, and the irony, the great irony of the tragedy of of our nations using, uh, you know, u- using free labor, using slavery, the great irony of America building building on that. Uh, the great irony of it is we would not have the music we have without that tragedy, which is kind of mind-blowing to me. Um, so, And I'm not saying, so it was worth it. You know, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, you know, yes, the South, uh, we have great music from the South. It's because we have great tragedy in the South. That's why we have great music, because the best songs come out of the really shitty stuff, you know. Yeah, you're, you're right. You're absolutely right. That's you hit it right on the nail. <laughs> yeah. So. Man. Um, wow, that's awesome. Um, so um, how is it, I guess, um, how do you feel having the freedom that you have? Because I know, like we touched on this a little bit earlier, but a lot of artists, they don't have the freedom to say, hey, I want to work with this person. I don't want to work with this person. You know, and, and you this album is independently produced, if I'm not mistaken. And so, you know, that's got to be a great feeling. Um, um, was it always that way for you, or did you kind of have to put in your dues to kind of get where you are now in terms of just having your freedom and your independence? Yeah, I mean, anybody, 
you know, I mean, I, I, yeah, I paid for this record myself, you know, and so it's like if you, if you can figure out how to pay for the art you're making, you know, and, um, but it's, uh, and, and you know, I probably, I probably, hello? Are you there? Hello? I don't know what is going on. I think I just hit, uh, something on my phone. Okay. Are you still there? Yeah, I am. <laughs> anyway, um, so, uh, the, um, um, yeah. Well, just in terms of artistic freedom, I, you know, I, I'm I'm not really interested in making art that I don't love. And so, with the problem with is, man, I love it. I hope, I hope, it, I hope it becomes beloved of many more than I would expect. But, uh, um, hey, uh, at the end of the day, I'm the one that's got to be happy with it. Absolutely, absolutely. That kind of leads into my next question. Um, but what's the biggest takeaway that you want people to get from your work, your body of work? Because I know that you, I mean, your work expands, you know, quite a while. I mean, for as long as I've been living, you know, like you've had, you know, some music out. Um, when people listen to your music or when they look at your body of work, um years from now, what's the biggest takeaway that you want to get from them? Want them to get from what you've done? I hope that they become addicted. But, um, you know, I just, to me, I want, I want my music to, I want people to, I mean, man, there's some few tunes on Providence that, all that really needs to happen is that it makes them shake their booty, you know. To me, it's like... Right, right, right. You know, so I want that. I, I, I like people to have a thoughtful experience, you know. I do I do want people to just uh, listen to a song like Gothenburg at the very end of the record, and maybe if they listen to a song like that, they will remember that unless they are Native Americans, they came from someplace else, and they were just lucky enough that there was no wall here when they came. And so, you know, my music is is quietly political, but a song like that where I'm just telling my children where they came from, I want to, I want some hard-nosed person listening to that song, touched by that song, to maybe all of a sudden have the thought, oh, wait a second, yeah, my people came from Portugal, so maybe I should, or my people came from, you know, Zimbabwe, or wherever the heck they came from, uh, you know, and just be gracious to the stranger, be gracious to the traveler, you know. Uh, I feel like America has has lost that it lost its way in terms of, you know, everything the Statue of Liberty is all about. We've just kind of lost that. You know, we've got a tyrant. We, 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 we've got a despicable person. I don't mind saying this on your show. And I hope you don't mind. And no. you do no. well, too bad. But we've got a despicable person running our country right now. We've got a person who hates people, you know. And yet he, and yet, yet he has the he, – he has the uh, – the, the nerve 
to identify uh, at you know at, you know when it's expedient. Like when Billy Graham died, you know Donald Trump has the nerve to think that he can talk about Jesus. Well, you know it's like no no. You, anyway, so my there is that edge to my stuff. Providence, not a Christian record. I couldn't care less about you know about about that. But there are moments on there where the stuff that I believe is going to surface. And the stuff that I believe you know, it doesn't have to you know, it's just decent moral human stuff. And that is be kind to people, you know. And what's funny to me is that America right now in my opinion, is as unkind as it's ever been, and uh, and that's a that's a shame, you know. Uh, but anyway, there you go. I just lost some sales, but oh well, it's all right. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's okay. It's okay. Um, Phil, what would you say inspires you? Because I know that in order to create, um, you know, you you have to have. Um, you know, something that inspires you, that keeps you going. Um, when you look at just, you know, the work that you've done and the work that you, you know, plan to continue doing um, with your music, what would you say inspires you and helps you to keep going and to keep writing and looking ahead, I guess, to the future, so to speak? Well, just kind of, I, I mean, I'm, you know, I I think like all creatives, I, you know, I just, I just have that need to be creating. You know, so like um, after like after I was done writing and recording Providence, I mean, almost a year went by, and in that year, the uh, you know I had dated a woman for ten years, uh, who wound up passing away in September, and she went out with a sword, man. I mean, she she. Uh, uh, so so I went out with this tragic ending of a person who was like angry at the world as she was leaving it. Well, that made me write a bunch of other tunes that are, and some of my there's some of them on YouTube, and they're pretty they're pretty uh, they're pretty low down, pretty pretty bluesy, and pretty uh, uh, you know grappling. I guess, uh, uh, and so, uh, uh, so to me, creating is always about. There's always an about. You know, there's a there's an emotion evol- involved, whatever that emotion is, and you know, and then of course you resurface, and all of a sudden you're in love again, and then you start writing love songs, and you know. So I just don't know. I just have to stay open to whatever whatever is operating as my muse at any given moment, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Phil, uh, thank you so much. I, yeah, I, this was an awesome interview. I just got so much insight on, on you. And it was, um, it was really, uh, I guess, comforting to see, like, your, hear your human side and just to, to know that, you know, um, <laughs> that you are, you know, forward thinking and, you know, you love you love the Lord but you're forward thinking and, you know, you're a man that doesn't back back down and that to me is um amazing and oh, thank you. Thanks, Walter. Here's the question. It's like can you love the Lord and not be forward thinking, you know? 
Right. I, I don't think you can because he's a forward-thinking God. I mean, you, you know, you're speaking about somebody that, you know, had the foresight, you know, um, years and years and years ahead of time, you know, um, after, you know, the sin in the garden happened to, you know, to come down and to die for our sins. And, you know, he's a, he's a God of flavor and culture. And, you know, he created all of us the different, you know, uh, cultures of people. And I mean, it's just, I, I don't think you can live under a rock and truly love Jesus. I mean, if you, if you are, you're, you're just, you're doing a disservice to him, you know, and yeah. to the faith. Well, man, I, well, it's really great to talk to you. Thanks so much for, you know, taking the time to have a conversation with me. I really appreciate it. And thanks to everybody for listening, whether, whether they agree with me or not. Thanks so much for hanging in there. Appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome, Phil. Um, was there anything else you wanted to say to our listening audience? Um, uh, I don't, no, I don't think so. It's been, you know, I appreciate it. And, uh, just buy the records. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> also, yeah. thank you so much, Phil. All right, Walter. God bless. God bless you, too. All right. Cheers. Cheers. Bye-bye. Guys, that was our special music guest, Phil Madeer. You can check out um, the uh, link to his website in the body of this post. Um, if you're listening to us on SoundCloud, go ahead and hit the subscribe button. We're also on your iOS device. If you've got an Apple product of any kind, you can listen to us by downloading the Stitcher Smart Radio app. It's available for free in the iTunes store. Download the app, search for our show name, redefining the counterculture. You're hearing this interview with Phil. Uh, we're also available for Android users. If you've got an Android phone or Android device, uh, you can listen to us by um, going to the Google Play store, search Google Play Music, search for our show name, redefining the counterculture. Again, you hear this interview with Phil. If you've got a Roku player or a Roku smart television, you can watch this show right in the privacy of your own home. Uh, just go to the Roku channel store. Uh, from your Roku boss, from your Roku Smart TV, and search for our name. Uh, once you search for our name, you can begin streaming all free of charge. Awesome. Thank you so much, Phil. I really appreciate it. Oh, yeah, man. When, now, when do, will this air? Um, this will, uh, as soon as I get home from work tonight, um, it'll be up. Um, I'll edit it. So I should have it up by 11 p.m. tonight. Oh, wow. That's great, man. Well, um <laughs> Yeah, will you so send a link uh, if you would? I, I, did she uh, was she copying you on those emails to me? Uh, yes, sir, she was. Yes, uh, Maria. Yeah, yeah. So just send me a link, man, and I'll make sure people see it as well. Awesome. Yes, sir. Sure, sure will. Thank you so much. All right. Take care, man. Uh, take care, Phil. All right. All right. Bye-bye. Bye.